Hello, welcome to the You Can Try podcast. I'm Penny Wilkin from You Can Coaching and on this podcast I'm going to talk to people who share my passion for swimming, cycling, running and triathlon as well as anything in between. This is episode 47 of the podcast where I welcome back Zelda Wilson for a lovely little chat about cycling. So we talk all about how we got started, our cycling background, as well as all of the things that used to scare and intimidate us when we first started out. And then we share our tips for overcoming those challenges and for building confidence so that you can enjoy cycling a little bit more. Welcome to the podcast, Zelda. Hi, Penny. Nice to be here again. Great to have you back. It was a few months ago, maybe, yeah, maybe earlier in the spring, and we were talking about um, doing impossible things last time you came on. That's right. That's right. So tell us what's been happening in your world since then. Well, actually, I think I was in Austria then, wasn't I? Oh, yeah, I? that's right. Yeah. Because I'd explained this, um, I'd um, sort of managed to escape from Yucatraz two or maybe even three yeah but um couldn't get back into the uk yeah so i was um, visiting my sister in austria after that managed to get to south africa um so i did a bit of cycling there and then uh switzerland wow managed to get over a few passes on a mountain bike you know when you walk into the bike hire place and they go electric and you go not yet and <laughs> you cycle out of the town and you go I know why they offered me electric. It would have been a good idea. I sat crying up a third of a mountain going, I should have been at the top now already. I don't want to go down. I don't want to go up. But anyway, those Swiss mountains helped me get uh, my cycle legs back again a bit. It's lovely. Yeah, because you know, if you don't cycle for six months, then... um, my confidence really went right yeah okay well we're going to talk about that aren't we in the podcast we're going to be talking about cycling confidence and how to build confidence on a bike right which is a bit of a hot topic yeah in fact always a hot topic lots of my clients Mm. you know raise questions about that but before we go on to it so my world what's happening in my world so triathlon season is upon us yes i've already done a race i actually had races last week uh, last weekend some time trials and you know only in the UK can it happen that the time trial got cancelled on the afternoon before the race because oh. they put roadworks out there was like homes down half the dual carriageway and of course oh, you can't no. possibly race you know with the cones out yeah and I put my wetsuit on got a felt a bit better in the wetsuit done a bit of open water swimming and, yeah, and are just, many people doing the races? Because I must say, I just haven't had the confidence, well, firstly, confidence um, that a race is going to happen. And secondly, the idea of racing. It's as if I, I, I feel I've forgotten how to race. So were there, were there many people there at the race? Yeah, yeah. Well, the triathlon that I did a few weeks ago, yeah, absolutely heathen. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess, I don't know how many people, but yeah, just felt like a normal race. The, <clears throat> I mean, time trials are never norm- that big anyway, but mm. we did 10 miles at the NEC last Friday night, yeah, and there must have been, I don't know, 60 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 at least 60 people, yeah. And then the time trial on the Sunday, there would have been another 50 or 60 people, but, um, yeah, that that didn't happen. So, yeah, races in the UK are mostly pretty certain and and going ahead as normal. I mean, there are some things that are different, Mm. so race briefings don't happen and transitions are spread out and rolling starts and... 
like the Cotswold race, which some people are doing this weekend, will neutralise transition. So transition times, you get 10 minutes in transition to stop people rushing through and crowding each other. So Yeah, yeah. So every race has something different. But you know the situation is so different in other parts of the world and in other countries that you forget. (laughs) So I've got a client in Sweden and she's booked four races and two of them are already cancelled and she doesn't know about the other two. And swimming pools are still not really open, and you know, so uh, are so people it's definitely a country thing. Because yeah. I know some people from the club are hoping to do their Ironman that was cancelled last year in Italy this year, and they're training for it, but don't know if it'll go ahead. Yeah, and yeah. So not until September, Italy. So perhaps that's okay. But Ironman Cork Island got cancelled just last oh, week, right. and yeah, races in Austria. People can't go and travel to Austria, and you can't travel to France. Can you? Some issues now with France, so people are racing on Vichy. You need to quarantine when you get there, so you know it's impossible. Yeah. So stick to racing in the UK. That'll be have to be it. It'll have to be it. So, like I said, we're going to talk about building confidence on the bike, right? We've been through a bit of a journey both of us aren't we with our cycling and like I say a lot of my clients really struggle with it so go on just tell us a little bit about your cycling background and some of your experiences you know how you started what made you nervous what made you intimidated in the beginning and just some things that you did to help so it's so funny I was um, cycling on Sunday with somebody I hadn't cycled with before so you talk about everything cycling so I was actually remembering when I first started cycling and you know I had that thing that I was going to do an Ironman before I knew what an Ironman was. And by the time I found out what it was, I told so many people I was going to do it. Do it. I said, sorry, I better push through. So I joined a club. And um, I just think in general, and I'm sure we'll speak about that, joining a club is an intimidating thing. Running club, cycling club. Fortunately, I knew so little about triathlon that the triathlon club didn't intimidate me. So I joined them. I remember actually meeting you there on the first night next to the pool. And um, uh, yes, in, into the swimming lane. And then that next Sunday, I think you must have said, there's a club cycle come along. I went along on my hybrid bike. And um, they, they were great. There was a social ride and I could keep up on my hybrid bike. But the first time I went out with all the other drop bar people, I remember actually cycling next to you. And you said, um, Zelda, we're going to have to really consider your bike here. So yeah, that was that was um, as you know started triathlon. Borrowed a, a bike for my first triathlon on the Isle of Wight, and then um, got through that, and then bought my first bike after that. So that must be ten years ago now. That and you know what it's like. By the time you've raced your first middle distance, you know how to clip in. You understand your bike and your bike skills a bit more. And you've been out with groups, so um, yeah, you cycle a little bit better. So yeah, I suppose that's it. And from there, um, cycling's the one thing I've just really, really loved. There's nothing for me, nothing nicer than spring arriving, a perfect day, and you've trained enough through winter to just enjoy that spring day and get out. So I think that's what motivates me now to um, cycle, especially through winter. Cool. Well, and did you ride as a kid? Did you learn to ride a bike as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, right. So you grew casual, up. Yeah. Casual bike, you know, yeah, in yeah. The, wherever. But Some you didn't bike. go on big trips or anything? No, weren't a cycling family or a sporting family. So it would have been in the neighborhood, go and visit a friend on a bike. I didn't understand bikes. I still don't understand them that well. I 
Um, and, that, and that's something if we when we start talking about confidence building, I think that's something, you know, what's the minimum amount of skill you need to be stay on your bike confidently? So I'm sure we'll chat about that. But no, so very little as a kid. Um, uh, when I came to the UK, phenomenal to have this freedom and the safety. So in South Africa, I wouldn't have had the confidence to just go out on a bike. Right. Um, and now that I do cycle, I understand how people do it there. They cycle in clubs or in groups or um, on right. wine farms. I cycled when I was there. Now they have tracks and trails. So once you're in that cycling world, you find out how to cycle safely. But I certainly learned to love England and love cycling by hopping on a bike and riding on the canal to the next town and so on. Mm. So, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, so I suppose my cycling background is a little bit similar in that I started road cycling because I got it into my head that I wanted to do triathlon. Yeah. I did I grew up I cycled to school every day as a to secondary school, which I think is probably relatively unusual these days because the traffic is so bad and I mean yeah, I think kids don't ride as much. And you know, I used to go to school and there would be rows and rows of bike sheds yes. at the secondary school yeah. and you know if I go to my school now you know it's a car park yeah you know so all of that That's has gone but traffic is definitely it is worse. because um we're not far from the school where my children went to I'm sure it's not more than a 15-20 minute cycle but they have to go on a very narrow road with the traffic to get there and I thought why well, how there are four schools in that street that there aren't cycleways to get into those schools um that's a shame. It's yeah, really yeah, yeah, shame. yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I re- I grew up going to school on my bike. I got my first road bike when I decided I wanted to do triathlon. And I remember going out and doing and because I I was a run I did running really first and I sort of ran half marathons and maybe a marathon before I got a bike. And I'd got bored of running, and that's why I'd got into yes. triathlon. I remember going out either bored or injured. That's yeah, well, to yeah, be what yeah, gets yeah, runners sure. onto the bike. Yeah. I um remember going out and doing 13 miles on my bike I was like wow and and then you know my feet were like ice when I got back and my bottom hurt and you know what it the time it took me to ride 13 miles it was the day of the great north run and I was a bit of a Paula Radcliffe fan at the time and she had run the great north run in the same time (laughs) that it had taken me to 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 cycle it yeah so that that's where you know I started and then, yeah, you know, you do your first triathlon and you think you want to do a bit longer. And then before you know it, you've done an Olympic distance and, you know, then you want to go further. And then before you know it, you've met someone who's done an Ironman and you think, oh, you know, maybe I could do that as well. Uh, but I suppose I like all cycling. So we, Paul and I, my husband and I, we go touring. So we've yes. like toured, you know, all around Holland and um, around the UK and... I don't know, I can't think where else we've been. Oh, yeah, we've been on cycle trips abroad. We've been to India and Thailand and, yeah, I've ridden Land's End to Drona Groat. So I've done all sorts of different cycling yeah. and, yeah, learned a few things along the way. Yes, I, and, 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 and I'm interested to hear about that because I've just bought my first gravel bike. So a year ago, I didn't know what a gravel bike was. Or what the difference between a gravel bike and a mountain bike and a hybrid bike was. So I feel a little bit more informed now and very excited about discovering another way of cycling. I think I sort of stuck to the road cycling. So I've done some some bigger things like cycled coast to coast in a day. Um, 
and you and I did the Montmartre. Remember that, Oh, my goodness, I think that was, I still feel that's one of the achievements I'm most proud of, cycling up those those mountains. So go on, tell people what the Marmotte is, because they won't know. So the Marmotte is, I've read, they call it the most grueling amateur cycle sportive. So it's like, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like a, a stage of the Tour de France um, and might have actually been one at some stage. So you cycle up three famous passes or cols, as they call them in France. Uh, let's see if I can still remember them. It was called the Telegraph, called uh, Glandong, oh, yeah. and then Galibier. Oh, the no, big one. and then Alpe d'Huez. And then Alpe d'Huez. Yeah, yeah. End. So, yeah, so what, that's four. Absolutely, absolutely mm. epic. You end up, there's a 21, 23 yeah, hairpin yeah. bends yeah. of Alpe d'Huez. Um, so f- and like 100 miles was it yeah, yeah over, over 100 miles yeah yeah 115 miles yeah mm. so you start eight o'clock in the morning and then you just was it like five thousand meters total yeah, ascent, at least. something yeah. like that it was yeah. i mean i've got a photo of 3800 mm. meters just standing at the top of galibier so it could be even more so just breathtakingly beautiful and also incredibly scary you have to reach a cutoff at the bottom of Alpe d'Huez in order to cycle the last bit they yeah so anyway it was really really um my scary thing to do that year but um an adventure that, yeah, you sort of carry in your heart mm. forever. So tell us about when you got started, what sort of things made you nervous? Or, yeah, yeah what sort of things intimidated you and kind of took some of the pleasure away in the so beginning? I I think right in the beginning, I didn't have enough knowledge to be scared of the things I was scared of later. Right, that's so interesting. Later yeah. and now, I'm scared yeah. of mechanicals. Okay. In the beginning, I didn't have that consciousness even. I was scared of all the very professional-looking people. And what do professional-looking people look like? So they have jerseys with pockets at the back and um, little bib shorts and clip-in shoes. All those things that I thought, I've got no idea where to start to look like that and what to do with them and what pedals do I need. I got there on my hybrid bike with trainers. So... You know, that that whole thing. How does clip-in work? There are different systems to clip-in. Which one do you choose? And then um, there's the whole uh, imposter syndrome. So, yes, I can go and buy a cycle shirt, but do I deserve it? How good do I have to be before I can wear Lycra? Um, so I suppose in the right in the beginning, it was those, it was those things. And uh, oddly enough, Sunday when I went cycling, um, someone was telling me the story that they were waiting for a, a first club cycle for the first time and they met up with another person and when they got to the group the other guy said I'm going home because just seeing this group of lycra clad team members it's I still cycle past a whole group peloton coming towards me with their matching jerseys in perfect formation and I go oh my goodness I I don't think I can do that so yeah yeah. in the beginning it was that Mm -hmm. So, yeah, things that used to make me um, a bit nervous when I first started. So the first one was getting lost. Yeah, for sure. 
And isn't it weird? I mean, in yeah. those days, you didn't really take a mobile phone with you. No. And uh, Garmin kind of sat-nav stuff was really only just coming out. You're right. But, and you know, and if you do 30 miles or 40 miles, whatever, you could be quite far out. Mm. But um, I used to remember, yeah, that would be, you, you know, yeah. Yeah, a bit scary, yeah. The mm. idea of getting lost. Um, and then, yeah, when I started riding with groups, it was like I was just scared of getting drops the whole yes. time. And obviously I was riding in the wrong group and with the wrong club because if you think they are actually going to ride off and leave you, then that's not... If, if that's what scares you, then that's not a nice place to be. And you know what, now, unless that's what I wanted to... And I do occasionally ride with a club or a group that has a ride that is a, um, you know, if you keep up, you keep up, and if you can't, you can't. And, and I, I don't mind that. If I know the rules, I know where they go in, mm. I know how to get home, then, you know, that's a good way to really push yourself, right? Yeah, yes. But if I don't want to be dropped, then I'll ride with a club that I know absolutely won't ride off and leave you in the middle of nowhere, that I can trust, right? Yes. Whereas in the beginning, you know, I was riding with a club and, and, and you didn't really know, and they'd ride off and leave you and then you'd be dropped, you know, and lost, right, in the middle of nowhere. Um, I think I also, yeah, I was definitely scared of hills, and and like real negative thoughts and negative mindset, automatic thoughts. Every time you get to a hill, it's like, oh my God, here's a hill. Yes. And, you know, I would ride with people in the triathlon club and I'd be organising the rides and they'd come with me because I'd organised it and they knew what I was doing and everything. But I'd get to a hill and I'd already be tense and stressed and, you know, and as soon as I learn how to check that in and recognise it and go, well, you know what, the worst that will happen is I'll walk up the hill. Yeah. As soon as I learned that, um, you know, yeah, I felt better. Certainly the same with mechanicals. I can remember fixing a puncture at home and not being able to get the tyre back on. Yes. And being out with oh. Paul and not being able to get his oh. tyre back on. You know, things like that. Um and I mean, yeah, I think back then I was never nervous of the traffic, but you know what? I am nervous of the traffic now. Yeah, but you've had an you incident know. or two as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both Paul and I have had issues and I guess it depends where you live. Yeah. Um, and, you know, potentially the traffic is a lot worse now than it was 10 years ago. And the way people drive yeah. perhaps is different. There's a lot more delivery drivers and stuff. But yeah, I still have in certain roads and certain situations, I'm a bit anxious of the traffic. It's um, funny, I was on a cycle last weekend um, with another lady from the club and a guy, we were cycling next to each other and a guy beeped us and was shouting as us, at us as he passed us. Um, as luck would have it, the traffic light ahead was red. So I pulled up next to him and gave him the whole highway code two people cycling next to each other, how to overtake and so on. I think he wished he, <laughs> he'd never stopped. But um, no, but he was shouting and going, you know, um, if you want to be safe, you have to be single file because... And I went, no, you know, it's when you're too abreast is when you're safe because then a car does need to take the distance to pass you. And, you know, I gave... It was a long read. He got a long speech on how to pass cyclists. <laughs> but you're right. Um... It, it is scary when cars come too close, too fast, and you have to be nervous about about cycling on the roads. That that's true. That's true. Um, and about the hill thing, I um, have learned through the years that the best way to tackle a fear is to really face into it. So I do now, um, as my coach taught me, go once a week to the bottom of a hill and cycle up it six times. Yeah. 
And, you know, there's something phenomenally liberating about it Mm. to go, I'm going to cycle this hill until I can do it. And it does take away that, that, that fear. It, of course, makes you better. And then that thing that you said about if you have to get off and push, you get off and push. It's really not the end of the world. I remember coast to coast in a day, in a day there were guys with big calves and a lot of lycra pushing up hard not So just go Yeah. Hey, I, a hill. I thought that I was fit. I thought I was strong. I thought I was going to ride up all of Hard Nut Pass. And? Like, on the first hairpin, I'm walking. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm sure if I went back now, I'd still be walking. Oh, I don't, I don't no. know. I'm going to cycle I don't up know. one day. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe one day. One day. Um, so what was the other thing? Oh, so, oh, so the other thing that I learned about riding about hills is that, and, and, you know, if you ride with cyclists or cycling clubs, it's a little bit like this as well so look I was a runner right before I started cycling mm. and I ran marathons and half marathons and stuff and you know most of us know that the way to get through a long run is through steady pacing and you're just going to be even and steady for several hours right so you put me on a bike I've got a very strong heart and lungs my cycling legs haven't really developed yet but I can go for hours mm. what I can't do is sprint up a hill uh, and often what would happen in a in a in a not very organized cycling club is that up every hill you know they sprint up the hill yeah. and it's that change of pace you know that I could never do and I spent many many months and years thinking that I wasn't very good at cycling up hills and that's always where I would get dropped but then I changed clubs and started riding with a slightly more structured club um that was more organized and if you attacked the hills someone would shout at you the ride ride leader would have a go at you um you know and ask you just to ride steady and so then when people started riding steady up the hills all of a sudden you know I sort of realized actually I wasn't that bad you know and, and I could keep up and if you just pace yourself up a hill rather than burning loads of energy and then having a rest you know, you get up them better and you get around the ride, you know, more easily. So it is a little bit about riding styles and who you ride with, but also about your headset. I mean, just because I couldn't keep up with people going up the hills, no need to be so down on yourself, right? You know, I just felt constantly negative about it. And as soon as you change that, you know, you get to the top of the hill when you get to the top of the hill, don't you, you know? I also went out with a um, club. Now, I want to say about club riding is um, when the weather's not good, it's a fantastic thing to have that little appointment that you go, I'm going out and I'm joining a group of nice people to cycle. So I um, am loving the club at the moment. They're really getting me back on track. And they're a well-organized club. They have all abilities. They make sure where you fit in and if you want to join the group that no leaves nobody behind they definitely don't leave anybody behind and oddly enough on Sunday I experienced the hill thing for the first time they said when we're going up a hill you don't look at the person in front of you you stay with the person next to you and you and the person next to you get up this hill together and at the top we regroup just a well-organized really pacing good group leader club and um um, yeah, they're really getting me uh, to build more confidence, to push myself, but also have the choice when I'm not feeling that strong to fall back a group and be in another group. A fabulous thing for me at the moment to be part of. Yeah, really you can get a lot, it. learn a lot 
from a club, can't you? And build a lot of confidence. Mm. Um, yeah, but but equally, you know, if it's not the right club for you, it. then it can be confident sapping. Yeah. I mean, the other thing about riding with other people and, and in clubs, I remember about hills was, and particularly people who'd been around a long, long time and, and been cycling for 40 or 50 years or whatever, they'd be like, there, there's an idea that you'd save your gears or you yes. wouldn't use your bottom gear or it was weak to use your easiest gear or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, Warwickshire isn't even hilly, no. really, in the scheme of things. But you know what? Every time I go out, I use all of my gears. Mm. If I've got a gear, I'm going to mm. use it. Mm. And there's no shame in using all of your gears. I don't know where that idea comes from. I'd like to comes from. from you. So um, as a triathlete, you learn to save your legs a little bit. So spinning yeah. out... Is, is is that if I'm cycling more now and less triathloning, um, what what is it? Is it do I should I always be cycling as hard as I can? Does it need to feel hard? Well, I guess it depends what you want to do and how far you've got a ride, mm. doesn't it? If you're going to do a hundred miles and you're cycling really hard, then mm. you're gonna your legs are going to get tired and you yeah. and, and you know you're gonna um, get worn out, aren't you? Whereas if you use your lowest gears and save your strength and mm. save your legs a little bit, then you're going to last a bit longer. You know what I say is that everyone is different and what gear you need and what cadence you need is different for everyone and in every situation. What I've learned about cycling is that when I started out in triathlon, they said spin your legs, mm. ride at 80 to 100 RPM, yeah. you know, save your legs, use an easy gear and spin, right? Mm. Uh, and, you know, maybe that was useful for me early on. But after a number of years, mm. actually, it turns out I'm pretty strong. And you know what? I'll ride faster at a lower cadence yes. and a heavier gear. Yeah. And actually, I'd spent so much time, I'd spent a lot of time spinning 80 to 100 yeah. RPM and I just never had enough pressure. I never had enough of a gear, probably because when I started out, my quads would die really quickly in cycling because I had running legs and not yeah. cycling legs. Yeah. And I spent the whole time being scared of my legs falling off. So I would just spin, you know, in a, in a very easy gear a lot. Mm. Um, whereas, like I say now, I don't. You know, because you know you're strong, you can take it, yeah. and you use the strength. Yeah, yeah. Legs. And what I think is that people get too fixed on one thing, yeah. and actually, what you need to do is try it all. Yes, and and practice it all. So go to a hill and spin up it in an easy gear in eighty to hundred rpm. Yeah. But then do the Good next idea. rep at forty five rpm, and then do the next rep standing up. You know, and just alternate. And it's not always about getting to the hill as fast as possible, some of it's about a training effect and a skill effect. Mm -hmm. So you might be really slow, but do it at 45 RPM yeah. just yeah. to train a bit of strength or do it out of the saddle to use some different muscles, you know, and, and practice riding out of the saddle. People just get very fixed in, you know, one particular style. I must say that's something that's changed for me in the last year is... Um, I always emphasized aerobic training. If I had a moment, I'd go and run or I'd cycle or I'd swim. And um, last year, I was doing an event, uh, the Forces March, which is five marathons, five days. And I thought, I'm going to need something more for this. I started strength training. And um, wow, I'm a fan because I came back now from six months not cycling. I did quite a bit of hiking, a little bit of cycling. Um but I feel I'm building up much quicker than I did before. 
from having done consistent strength training over a year. Yeah, so you know, um, cycling is much more of a strength endurance sport than just an endurance sport. It's got more in common with, say, rowing. And if you think about rowers, they do a lot of strength work. They're big, they've got strong thighs, they do weights in the gym. If you think about sprinters, cycle sprinters on the track, they do a lot of, you know, weights, you know, power stuff in the gym. It's got a lot more in common with those types of sports than it have with, say, running, which is just pure endurance. So, you know, I always say, if you want to get faster on the bike, building a bit of strength, will often make a difference it's the thing that's made the most difference to me Mm. you know working out in the gym and talking about things that make a difference penny what do you think about cadence meters and power meters and um all the gadgets we can have with it so i guess it depends on um you know what your goals are and what your objectives are and what you want from cycling Mm. so you know if i'm going touring and i'm going to ride Land's End to John O'Groats or you're the other way around. Joggle, John O'Groats Land's End, yeah. Yeah, you're going to do that, you know, with maybe a bit of gravel in sections and yes. things like that. Then, you know, a power meter and stuff might kind of take away the pleasure of it because you're there to enjoy the scenery and the journey and the process and you've got your bags and things, you know, on the back. But if you want to be faster and you're chasing a time in a triathlon or a time trial and you want to be better and things like that, then again, the thing that made the most difference to me was having a power meter Mm. because all of a sudden I realised I was often working way too hard going up the hill trying to catch up with the person in front and then often not working hard enough on the flat or the downhill and, yeah, just actually consistently holding myself back because I was scared I wouldn't make it to the end or I was scared Mm. I wouldn't be able to run. And so then the power meter... It taught me a lot about how to ride. I realised I would ride faster and I would put out more power in a lower gear and a lower cadence. I figured out that I could ride a lot harder on the flat and still be okay. Yeah, all of those sorts of things. And it just makes your training way more effective and mm-hmm. the time on that you spend on the bike, you know, way more effective. And, you know, the cost of power meters has come down massively. So oh, really? I've got, yeah, I've got a client who bought a left-sided power meter the other week for 250 quid. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when I started out, they were like a thousand pounds. Yeah. And, and yeah, like really fiddly. So if you look out, you can get a good deal. I mean, I sort of say budget for about 500 pounds. Mm. And if you find an offer, then you'll perhaps get one for, for less than that. So, so it could be a lot of money to invest. But equally, yeah, if you've got one for 250 quid, it's not mm. not so much, is it? But thinking of things to invest in, when you spoke earlier, I think what's good when you're building bike confidence is to think not just I'm scared of cycling, but what is it exactly I'm scared of? Because if it's punches, change punches. Do, do five of them on your driveway. I found that very confident building that I brought my puncture changing from 25 minutes to 12 minutes and I went, I can do this. I can get my tire back on. And then if it's getting lost, invest in good GPS and easy to use something. Invest in trying to figure out how to get your routes. Because my goodness, I spent so much time being scared that I just thought, I could have spent all that time learning how to do maps, read maps and get around and it would have made my cycling much better. But I I find with me, I just often have this scared feeling and I don't spend enough time going, but what is it exactly and what can I change about it? Yeah, and I think a lot of it is about skills, isn't it? So 
the thing, well, the first thing about punctures, for sure, you know, I would also feel a bit anxious about having a mechanical. Um, and, you know, the truth is I still practice the punctures, right? So I've got a stupid fancy race bike that's a bit fiddly. And I'm worried about what happens if I get a puncture? Will I use the gas right? Can I get the tyres off? Can I get the wheel off? How long is it going to take? All of that. And actually, I still practice that. That will be in my programme in the next six weeks you know, towards well, my race. invite me for yeah. it. I want to have a joint yeah, yeah. puncture practice I mean, session with we def- you. We definitely did that the other week, the other year. A few of us yeah. got together and did that. And yeah, and you've got to keep practicing it, haven't you? Yes. You yeah. know, on a regular basis, especially if you change bikes because yeah. things are different. On Just different using bikes. your pump, for example. Yeah. You know, I tried to pump up a wheel the other day with my hand pump. I'd forgotten how to use my gas cylinder. Yeah. Um, connector yeah yeah uh, and couldn't get it going yeah so uh, yeah it is worth investing um like you say especially if your bike changes or your wheel changes to make sure you know how everything works and yeah the same with the navigating and the garmin isn't it Mm. and the mapping and stuff it's all skills isn't it learning how to plan a route learning how to get it on your device or your phone or you know whatever it is it is all skills and if you invest in those skills it will, you know, make you more confident. And so as well, I suppose, you know, I had many years where I couldn't race triathlon because I was injured, um, but I could ride a bike. And I went through a process where I went, well, what skills will help me one day be better at triathlon? And and one of those things was, well, what could I learn skills wise on the bike right what could I do in that time that would make me more confident one day for doing a triathlon and not necessarily all that specific so riding up alpine mountains like outdoors and whatever not all that specific to doing a triathlon but it makes you more confident and it because you've ridden up a mountain it makes your because you've done all those hairpin bends and like I'm scared of heights as well remember so you know it tackles all of those things so then it does you know help you become more confident on the bike and also so um in this vein one of the things I did was some mountain biking and so I went on a mountain bike course you know with a coach um and a small group of people and they taught you all sorts of skills and yeah I, I was um petrified but they taught me how to corner how to descend all sorts of things in a much more detailed way than anyone ever taught me on a road bike. And all of those things were really transferable to oh, nice. riding my road bike. Um, so definitely well worth doing. I mean, and like I say... I like to do that. Yeah. I, I really think um, uh, I got on a mountain bike without a course and scared myself mm. um, so much that I never got on a mountain bike again. And I think to go for a day or two and let somebody give me some advice would make such a big difference, um, would make such a big difference, yeah, to my cycling on a mountain bike. And I suppose um, that's it. I have more time now than I had a year ago. I was working full time just over a year ago and it felt to me all my cycling had to be very efficient and fast and measured and going forward. I have more time now. So as I said, I bought a gravel bike and you need different skills, tools, and attitude, I think, now to enjoy cycling in a different way. So I'm looking forward to discovering that, to see how that would be. Um, and on that note, the other thing around confidence building is I'm used to a, a road bike that's very sensitive. 
I avoid gravel, I'm very scared of ice, and I have to learn that I'm, if I'm on another bike, I can be a bit more risky. So those skills that you need to go, well, a gravel bike can handle the road, because my brain is so wired for hazards of a road bike on the road, which aren't the same when you're on a gravel or a mountain bike. Yeah, I mean, I think it's well worth doing different types of cycling. Yeah. For all of those reasons that you've said. So, like, I can tell you on a road bike, so we never really done any off-road riding because Paul can't ride. My husband, he can't ride um, off-road because of his feet and his hands and whatever. So we only ever ride stuff together on the road. Um, so, you know, then I decide I'm going to do a little bit of mountain biking. So I'm on this mountain to, to make me a better cyclist, right? And you know what? I'm not kidding. I'm scared of going up and down a curb. Yeah. Whereas other people, oh. they just do it left, right and centre. On a mountain bike, I get to a curb and I'm like a horse that's bolted. You know, I can't, I have to stop and, and you know, and do it. Yeah. And they're such simple skills that, you know, with a bit of practice, I know you're not going to go up and down a curb on your road bike necessarily, but it's just all skills that help make you, you know, more confident. And if you just expose yourself to different terrain, yeah. different locations, maybe do a bridal path on your hybrid, maybe commute to work. Definitely. Uh, you know, just different things. It's all making you, you know, more confident, you know, and a better cyclist, isn't it? And then I suppose there's that. There's those physical things. But I also think building confidence, ride with different people, with different abilities. Because some will motivate you more, some will challenge you more, some will help you with more skills. So I think to be brave and build your little cycling community really yeah, helps me Yeah, as no, well. for sure. And ride with those people with your eyes open and your brain engaged. That's so it. curiosity, what yeah. can I learn from these yeah. people? Yeah. You know, so, so the thing is, so, you know, I go out with a cycling club and even now, right... Do you know what I learned from riding with the cycling club? From cyclists, from people who have been cycling for 50 years and all they do is cycle. What I learn is I can't go round a corner as well as them. Interesting. Right? So there's some opportunities for me to gain free speed. Whereas to get 10 seconds off my 10 mile time trial or whatever requires a truckload of training. But look, if I could corner faster... I'd save a few seconds, right? So when I ride with experienced cyclists, I watch them how they corner, and that's what I learn. And I watch some of the most experienced people in the group descend, and they're always faster than me because, you know, they can take more risks than I'm willing to take. But then, no disrespect to triathletes, but I'll often go and ride in a group with a bunch of triathletes, and you know what I learned from that is, actually, I've got some good skills, <laughs> and actually, I can descend, and I can corner, but, but you know, just riding with different people yeah. gives you, you know, diff different your skills, and again, you know, when I started out, I used to ride with some people from Kenilworth, and they were amazing to me, but I just constantly felt I was rubbish, because I couldn't keep it up, yeah. and of course, they were just really strong cyclists they weren't in my they wouldn't have been in my group as it were yeah. um and then when I went to ride with a club with a group of people of my level you know all of a sudden I felt like I wasn't that bad you know and I could keep up with the people you know of my level and things like that so yeah just like you say ride with different people and see what you learn from it the other thing with confidence I also think is to it's so funny how our subconscious works. So you have an opportunity to go out for a ride and within a few minutes you motivate yourself to go or you stay at home and don't go. And in those few seconds I find the things that put me off is if my bike's not comfortable 
Yeah. So subconsciously, I go, oh, there's going to be pain involved. <laughs> so I think to make sure your bike's comfortable, to make sure you can reach everything you need on it. I have delicious um, espresso gels in my bike that can get me up any mountain. Little treats that trick me into going for my cycle. I have a recipe for my panaforte. Oh, I must remember to give you one today. My my panaforte homemade cycle um, uh, uh, snacks that I only have when I cycle. I don't. I just go. They're not TV snacks. They're only cycle snacks. Yeah, so I'll never have them if I don't cycle. Uh, actually, I have snacks like that too. That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? And that you almost trick yourself yeah. to get out because mm. you know you will enjoy it. But that moment mm. between getting onto your bike and not, you can so easily just not go. So, so I think to 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 invest um, into your your they say your future self's always perfect. Your future self is going to go cycling. They're going to go out. They're going to do those hills. But you always only your present self. So your present self has to, in a way, plant motivation in mm. so that when you get there you do it yeah 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 no so yeah, for sure your bike should be comfortable no saddle should be painful and if it's painful yeah. then it's set up wrong or it's the wrong saddle or it's yeah. the wrong shorts or or something or the wrong setup somewhere so definitely invest in getting your bike comfortable and uh, yeah i mean i like the idea of snacks but also like having destinations yeah so when i go for a ride we often if it was a long ride it often just feels easier if you know you're going to go to a cafe stop somewhere and stop halfway and you know ride back again or um we've got a thing about the goats at the end of the road so yeah. you always plan a route to see the goats if, it, if it's yeah if you're struggling a bit if i know the goats are there i'm gonna stop we keep saying we should take a carrot to feed the goats but i know it's silly but some it's something good. like that that gives a bit of a destination and a reward isn't it and you know kind of breaks up the ride Mm. A and bit. a lovely way to catch up with people mm. because you don't have to talk the whole time. You chat, but you also cycle together. So I find it such a wonderful um, way to spend time with with somebody. I'm going cycling tomorrow, actually, with my son's girlfriend's mother. Yeah. So it's just such a nice connection. And we can both cycle and we're going to find a route and we're going to go out and catch up. Um, and it just feels like such a wholesome, lovely way to spend time together. I must say, I learned to love England through the country roads yeah, and the lanes and the hedgerows changing and the smell in the air. I mean, we're talking about all these technical things, but in the end, gosh, that freedom and sense of just feeling young and free when you in that groove of cycling along a country lane. I mean, there, yeah. is, there is some wonderful countryside, isn't there? where we live in Warwickshire I think we are lucky mm. but I think definitely there is something to be said about planning a route that's nice and that you like that has some particular feature in it or view or a stretch of road or the goats or something that you find you know attractive and and sort of um paying attention to it and it is just thinking a little bit while we're talking about that that's a good little segue about where you ride isn't it so it's planning your routes to avoid really hideous busy roads so it is thinking a little bit about where you're going to ride can really help can't it and if you don't know where you're going to ride these days you know you can just google it and um look on an app like ride with gps and you put in eastbourne 20 mile routes and there'll be a list of them yeah. and you can look to see where other yeah. people have gone or on Strava and then you'll have some idea of where might be a nice route and what roads might be 
quite nice so that that's what Paul always does so then that's a good little starting point but it's definitely worth planning your routes to avoid busy roads and busy traffic and think a bit about it and I was just going to say one of the other things that in and still intimidates me a bit even now and look I've done Land's End to John and Groats and we rode 100 miles a day and I've lost count of how many Ironmans we do so you know I can do 100 miles and it isn't that many weeks till I'm going to do an Ironman uh, but sometimes you think oh I've got to do a 60 mile ride and then you think of the 60 mile loop in your head yeah and it's massive isn't it and you're sitting at home going I mean okay so today the sun's come out but the weather's been rubbish for months here hasn't it and you're sitting at home going god it's freezing cold and you're thinking about that epic 60 mile route and if you get over there and you're 30 miles out and if you're on your own how boring it could be you know and all of this stuff actually the distance can often still intimidate me Mm. um and um you know I think that's a common issue for people getting into riding further you know so the things to tackle that are to ride a number of different loops or you ride like a like a flower shape a petal shape around from your home you know so you do one loop that goes out and back to your home and maybe not all the way back but and then you know you do another one so you've got lots of different escape routes and you're never quite so far from home you know that it feels a bit scary so yeah it just makes it less intimidating I think that's a very good idea I must say about route planning um last summer uh I took my car back to Europe in a little COVID gap and um planned a few routes on Google Maps and did end up down field tracks and mountain lanes and so on. So I think also when you go cycling in strange places to be prepared for the fact that um, it might not always go as you thought. To look at the weather, the same day I ended up in a total heat wave. I dehydrated, ended up cramping. I was cycling five minutes, getting off stretching. Totally, totally dehydrated. So there is something to be said for just sensible planning, making sure you've got the right clothes, that you can strip off enough layers, that you've got enough water. It was not that easy in COVID time to just stop and ask people for water. No. Everything yeah, was yeah. Up. So I suppose there is that little bit of just common sense. Look at the weather before you go out. I mean, I remember you and I getting caught in some ice rain just behind the M6 flat tire. Oh, uh, yeah, we had to be rescued. Yeah, hey. yeah, Ian had to come and get Our us. hands were too cold to yeah. change the tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are those that. scary moments where you think, well, perhaps we would have been better to get on the turbo that day. <laughs> well, yeah, we probably would these days. I don't know. I think that's just because we've got old and weak. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Or, or, or. Or we've learned to enjoy the turbo a little bit more. We've learned to I, learn Mom love Mark the turbo. So that. You know. honestly, and I, I, you might criticise my focus here, but watching American crime series, I could spend two hours in a turbo. <laughs> Did help. There we go. Did help. Okay, so uh, how to build confidence on the bike. So the only other thing I was going to add was about riding in traffic. So the traffic in England and the UK is crazy and yeah you know so these days I think a little bit about what time of day I ride so actually I don't in Coventry I don't really like riding outside before nine o'clock because the morning rush hour traffic is crazy I would think carefully about riding about three o'clock because of the school traffic did that the other day and you know and it's also insane so yeah riding traffic is a little bit stressful but there are some things that you can do to make it less stressful and to keep yourself a little bit safer 
And the thing that frustrates me most about road cyclists and triathletes and things in particular is that they just ride and they're not very aware of what's going on around them. So the thing that will keep you safe the most is looking over your right shoulder at the car behind. And if you can't do that without wobbling, then that's a skill that you need to practice on straight roads when there's not very much traffic. You know, you need to practice it every time you go out. And, you know, the reason you're looking behind isn't to see if there's a car there. It's to get eye contact with the car behind. So it's to tell the car behind that you know they're there and, you know, that you can see them and maybe they can see you, you know. So that looking behind, getting eye contact is the thing that's going to keep you the most safe on a bike. And it's like every time, I mean, maybe not every time, but depending on the stretch of road, but more or less, whenever a car is overtaking you, you want to be looking at them and getting them eye contact. And the other thing is where you ride in the road. So a lot of people kind of ride in the gutter. And if you ride too close to the curb, then you're going to be encouraging people to just overtake you as if you're not there. So you need to be riding, you know, a little bit further out. And if you look it up, and also there are some videos on my Facebook page um you know there's two significant road positions there's a secondary position a mile a meter and a half from the curb and there's primary road position when you're in the middle of the lane and so sometimes you don't want any traffic to overtake you and in which case you kind of ride in a defensive position kind of owning the road in you know in primary and like I say if you look on my Facebook page there are some videos you know around that but yeah just some simple tips that will help yeah, just make you feel safer in traffic, but they're things that you've got to practice. So, anything else you want to add, Zelda, about building confidence on the bike? I think we've we've covered it well. I think in summary, it's it's get on, get on and do it. And whatever motivates you to get on your bike, um, you know, whether it be your Garmin, your company that you're going to spend it, your outfit that you're going to wear, your snack you're going to eat, get on your bike and find out what are your fears and face into them. And have a bit of a strategy. Don't just ignore whatever it is that's stressing you. Have a plan to help build your confidence. So just before we finish, tell us one amazing cycle adventure that you've got coming up. Wow, Penny, I'm very excited. I've booked to go to Iceland. So as you know, I've I've managed some fantastic travel in spite of COVID. And now if you've had both your vaccinations, you can go to Iceland. So great opportunity. So the circumference of um, Iceland is 1,300 kilometers. So we're going to rent mountain or gravel bikes, have all our... Uh, luggage on it as you said that'll probably be one pair of cycle shorts and three pairs of socks and uh, go around Iceland so yeah how exciting I haven't got as many I haven't got any cycling adventures as exciting as that plan because all I've got in my future for the next eight weeks is um yeah training for an Ironman so which one are you doing a slightly different um slightly different thing so it's Outlaw the one in Nottingham in the UK yeah okay cool well thanks very much for coming on the podcast thanks for inviting me lovely to spend some time talking cycling that's it folks thanks very much for joining us we hope you found some of that useful and we'll look forward to you joining us on next week's episode (laughs) 